take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Couple Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 25 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Arlene Pelicane. She's a top marriage and parenting author and speaker. She's also the host of the Happy Home podcast and the author of several books, including 31 Days to a Happy Husband and 31 Days to Becoming a Happier Wife. She is this year's spokesperson for National Marriage Week, which has the theme of love beyond words. I want to thank you so much, Arlene, for joining us today on our podcast. Wonderful to be with you, Dr. Ray and Jean. I love the mission of what you're doing. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. And, you know, we're kind of in, the, in alignment when it comes to, you know, that mission and, and that work in helping couples have happy, healthy relationships. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you kind of got into this line of work. Yes. You know, I was the girl in high school and in college who would watch the movies and be like, I want to fall in love like that. I want to be in college and drop my books and I want some guy to pick them up and us, our eyes to lock and be like, you are the one you know, that I've been looking for. So very much wanted to have a wonderful marriage. I wanted to have children. My, I'm an only child myself, but my mom and dad had a happy marriage and modeled that to me. So, but you know, all the years went by. I went through college. I worked. I did all these things. So where is and finally, when I did find him, it was like, wow, this is something very special. And so when I think sometimes when you have to wait to get something, it gives you an appreciation for it a little bit more. Uh, so my husband, James, and I have been married for 25 years now. And we also, you know, we had no infertility in our background, but we were also having trouble having children. So I had a fibroid in my uterus and it took us a while to get that. So when we had our first child, that also was very exciting. So this whole idea of, wow, I get to be a wife. Wow, I get to be a mom. That was something very dear to my heart. And I would look around kind of in the at the culture and it was more like, oh, I have to be married and I have to have these kids, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it put in my heart something like, you know, I want to encourage people and help people to have a happier home life, to look at things with more appreciation and gratitude. And, and that's just kind of what, what, so it's fun. I get to write about what I really enjoy. So I basically, the podcast, Happy Home Podcast, I get to interview much like what you're doing is talking to marriage people and parenting people and getting the 
help that we need and wanting to come alongside that couple that is either needs that little maintenance tweak that will really set them up, you know, for a good next few years or just a reappreciation um, of what, what can happen. And, and also the realization that you don't have to come from a happy home to create one, that you can mm -hmm. learn things, that you can learn new habits, that you can, you don't have to learn only from your own mistakes. You can also learn from the mistakes of others. And so these kinds of things have just led me to uh, a wonderful uh, job of being able to write books and to speak to couples, to speak to parents, and now work alongside of National Marriage Week to promote uh, National Marriage Week, which is February 7th to 14th. And it's a week to say, you know what, we promote a lot of things from Earth Day to recycling and all these great causes, but marriage is also a great cause that sometimes gets overlooked. So it's a wonderful week to say marriage is a good thing. It's, it's good for families. It's good for the culture. It's, it's, it's a good thing and not a bad thing, something to be celebrated, not to be bemoaned. And so that we, I enjoy that. We have, we have three children, uh, one college age and two high school age. So National Marriage Week, from what I understand, is actually fairly new to the United States. Yeah. And it started in, in Europe. Is that correct? Yeah, it started in the UK in 1996, and then um, it came here to the United States in 2002. And I think it's it's something that's fun to talk about because I think the average person maybe if you ask, hey, hey, do you have you ever heard of National Marriage Week? They're like, you don't know, I really haven't. So it's a wonderful way now that you're listening to this, you can say, hey, it's the week leading up to Valentine's Day. That's easy enough to remember, and that it's something to celebrate marriage and to strengthen the marriages that are out there. Yeah, and MarriageWeek.org. That's all. Also, very easy place to go, marriageweek.org. And on there, you have like tips to help you like, okay, you're in your marriage, but you feel like you're in a rut, go there. You want to go on a date, but you've been on the same date for the last three years, you know, go there. There's all sorts of, of free ideas you'll find. So, you know, working with couples and working with marriage and promoting marriage is not really a sexy thing in today's society, <laughs> especially in the United States, yep. right? Because there's such a high um, rate of divorce, although it's it's kind of gone down a little bit, but a lot of people aren't actually getting married, Yeah, you know, especially within the, uh, the millennial uh, generation. So what kind of prompted you to want to work with marriage and help marriage. And by the way, I, I wanted to say, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you talked about being married because we feel that we can't teach it unless we live it. Right. And so that I appreciate that you're able to kind of talk from that perspective as well. And really, you kind of hit the nail on the head is that I really, really enjoy being married and that being married, having my husband going through life together, having a commitment that is outside of myself, bigger than myself, all of those things have been really super important in my life and wonderful. And I think what has happened, of course, is we hear the bad stories instead of the good stories. Mm -hmm. And if you scroll through social media, you're not seeing all these sexy pictures of like, you know, hey, they've been together for 50 years and look at the <laughs> life they have. You know, it's not what you're seeing. You're seeing so-and-so right. broke up and so-and-so broke up and so-and-so broke up. And, and realizing that a lot of times, you know, the, the mirror neurons of kids and teenagers, they, they want to be what they are seeing. They say, oh, we see these things. So National Marriage Week and what we're doing and the books I'm writing and hopefully the people I'm talking to, I'm hoping that they will then see, oh my goodness, there are also healthy marriages 
that have a lot of benefits to them. You know, if someone is married, then as you look at them through their life, they're going to be physically healthier. They're going to be economically more stable. They're going to be a lot happier. And these are things that people don't talk about. It's kind of like you, you look at it like, oh, if you get married, you won't be happy. But statistically, that's not true. So National Marriage Week, looking at the research of Brad Wilcox over at the University of Virginia, you know, a lot of young people today think that, oh, if I get that college degree, I'll be happy. Mm. And if I get a good job, I'll be happy. If I find satisfying work, I'll be happy. And that's really like, hey, 99% of my time, that's what I'm going to be aiming towards. It's kind of what we're taught. And we're not really taught to think like, wow, I should really pursue a happy marriage. <laughs> that would actually probably make me really happy. So statistically, if you are a college graduate, 64% boost in happiness. Woohoo! If you've got a higher income than most, 88% boost. That's great. If you are satisfied at your work, 145% boost. But if you are just plain married, not even like happily married, just like, yeah, we're together, <laughs> you get a 151% boost in happiness. And if you are actually in a good marriage, you get a 545% boost. And I think that these are things that, that we don't necessarily portray, but they are truths. And you can look around you at people with stable, good, healthy marriages. You take that through their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and you compare them to their never married or divorce counterparts. And, and you're going to find there is a different quality of living that's there. And I know it sounds like, oh, it's so hard. It's so much work. But I think when you think of marriage as, I need a shift. Marriage is a commitment that, and that's what Love Beyond Words, which is the theme of National Marriage Week, Love Beyond Words is, hey, when you made that vow to have in the hold to richer and poorer, better and worse, sickness and health, those were not just words, they, they're actions. They are, they're a promise, you know, that we will live faithfully to these vows. As, as long as you stay a good and decent person and you don't turn into an ax murderer, you know, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep these <laughs> vows to you. And as you have a commitment and, and you work yourself towards keeping that commitment, you know, that's what builds a happy union, a happy marriage together. And, you know, you know this better than anyone, Dr. Ray and Jean, working with couples, we live in an age of like happiness, like this marriage is for my personal fulfillment. And when marriage stops being for my personal mm. fulfillment, when you stop making me feel special, when you stop meeting my needs, when you stop doing that amazing thing that you used to do when we were courting, then you are no longer helpful in my life. You are no longer adding to my life. You're subtracting to my life. And, you know, I'm going to tap out of the marriage. And, and we think that in having this, like, I'm going to look out for myself mentality, like that's going to help us. But in reality, it, it doesn't, you know, it's more isolating and it's, it's never the fulfilling way. And so, so much of marriage is, I am committed to the team. I, I made a commitment and we're going to stick this out. And what research has found that if there is that sticky factor of commitment, like no matter what, we're going to stay together. This is a decision. We have become a, a unit. We are now separate. Like there's no more you. There's no more me. There's just we. And we're going to figure this thing out. You know, even statistically, when marriages are going through a hard patch, if they will, instead of divorcing, if they will say, nope, we are just going to stick through this and get through this, 
within two to three years, most of those marriages will resolve and turn into happy marriages. So a lot of times we just have to give ourselves and our spouse that chance to persevere and to get through it. But when it's commitment is the is that bedrock, then there's trust and there's emotional security and there's sexual fidelity. And all those things are happening because you're not wondering like, are you in? Are you out? You know, am I in the doghouse? Am I going to get voted off this island? Like what's happening? You know, that there's this very stable thing that's running through and that commitment, the idea of commitment. I mean, just think of us as a culture. We're like, you know, does someone want to come to your house on Saturday? They like figure it out Friday night, like, and they just text like, yeah, I'm coming. And then Saturday at four, they'll say, oh, something came up and I didn't come. <laughs> you know, like we just live yep. in this age of let me just decide last minute. Let me just kind of see what's working for me and then make a decision. And not and, commit. And not commit and not right. make that commitment. So I think that first step to a happier marriage is saying like, yeah, I will. I will make those vows and, and I'm willing to believe in something that's just bigger than my own needs and bigger than my own wants. I think there's a big factor too with um, just the population. And when you're in a place that is less populated, like where we live, we have so much... Uh, higher quality relationships with our neighbors than we did when we lived in a city. Interesting. And yeah. and we we need each other and we have a, a desire to get together. Nobody ever doesn't show up. And it's really weird because of course we always had that experience. So I think that idea of so much competition and and there's just another person, another person, another person, it it, it gets confusing because you don't know that person and it looks maybe in, in your idea, in your head of the potential of that. But the reality is we're all kind of the same and you have to deal with all the same stuff. So are you, you know, when I'm listening to you talk, are you talking more to people who are not married and don't have that pitch or people who got the wrong idea what marriage is and are maybe having a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yes. I love that you asked this question. I think both because a lot, you know, in that lens of National Marriage Week, a lot of it is how can we present marriage in an attractive way in the culture so that people looking at marriage can be like, oh, look at, look at Dr. Ray, look at Jean. This is amazing what they've done. We want this kind of life. So I think, yes, we're talking to people who are not married, who may be thinking about marriage, who may not be thinking about marriage at all, you you know, just to, to give marriage a look, but then also totally uh, talking to the married people listening to this podcast who are wanting to get closer. How do we renew those commitments? How, how do we act from day to day when we really don't feel like acting a, a certain kind way to our spouse? You know, that that support is also so important to say, let's think more long-term than short-term. So yes, thinking about the married couple listening today, some of it is just that you might need like a one hour break from each other. You know, I think of during COVID when we were as, as couples like with each other all the time and just driving each other crazy because we're all in this exact same space. Sometimes, you know, my husband, he will get away with his college friends every other year to go skiing and they go for about four days and they have a great time. And I tell you what, uh, without a doubt, Gene, whenever he goes away and comes back, he comes back a different man after just four days, he comes back and he's just like, Oh, baby, I missed you and I appreciated you. And I so appreciate, you know, all you do for me and what you do, you know. And it's just all of a sudden, it's like the same marriage, same people, but a different perspective. 
And, and sometimes in a couple, it might just mean like, you know what, why don't you go on your little ladies trip? And why don't I go fishing with the guys? And why don't we do that like two days a year? And then we'll get back together. And it, it, and it helps you kind of shake you out of that, that taking each other for granted. So definitely, uh, there are rhythms to marriage and even realizing I've written books with Dr. Gary Chapman, who is the author of the five love languages. And he talks about the seasons of marriage, that there is the summer season where it's all hot and awesome and you just got married and it's great. And then there's fall where, you know, things are kind of settling down and you're settling in. And then there's winter where it's like kind of chilly, like not a whole is, lot is happening in the couple's life. And it's, they're getting kind of scared, like what's going on with us. But then that springtime, comes again and and there are seasons and to recognize there are seasons that kind of correspond with what's happening with our work or with our children or with our age and and realizing that that marriage can be that constant in those seasons and i think that really helps uh, yeah we believe that you know there are different stages that couples go through within their relationship within their marriage and you know too often though a lot of couples get to that place in their marriage where the hard work has to happen. Sure. And that's when, you know, what you're talking about there is like, you know, this is too hard. This is not giving me enough ROI. And so because of that, I'm, I'm out of here. Right. And, you know, I, I wanted to kind of back up a little bit because, you know, we agree that, you know, couples should really do the work on themselves individually. Right. You know, the husband has to do the work on himself and his own personal growth and wife has yeah. to do, you know, her own growth work as well. Um, and, you know, going on a, on a trip with a bunch of friends and everything absolutely can be a source of, of internal uh, introspection and, and a, a shift in perspective so that when you come home, you can have much more of a, you know, a better view of your marriage and your spouse. But we're also, I, I think we both agree, you know, we all agree that the trips where guys go at, to get away from their spouse, that's a very different kind of thing, right? Where that they're going motivation, their, of course, like, oh, I better get out of here. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah that's right. I'm not, going with the boys, I'm going yes. drinking, and, you know, now yeah. I get to do the things I want to do. Yeah, that's that's not what we're that's talking about. That's not what about we're here. talking about. No, it's not. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you in, in kind of your perspective, um, it, it seems as though healthy marriage and committed, committed marriage, right, seems to be kind of pigeonholing now, right? There's just a lot of obviously a lot of polarity going on in our country. And, and it seems as though, you know, uh, Christianity and Christian faiths seem to really support you know, staying together, working through the marriage. And then there's this polarization that is occurring where non-Christians are all about me, uh, you know, what's in it for me. And, you know, divorce is, it's a life is short, get a divorce kind of mentality. And I was just wondering if you have seen any of that kind of trend or, or you know, any, any of those sentiments. 
Yeah, I think you can find, you know, in a, a Christian home, you could find those same sentiments, of course, of like, I'm in this for myself. So different statements, you can always find a, some, a different story there. However, there are like, when you look at the marriage statistics, if a couple is religious so that they go to church, not just for Christmas and Easter, but it's a regular part of your life, that they tend to divorce less than the general population. And, a, and, and that can be seen because a lot lot of times in a religious context, people have kind of these higher moral standards that they're looking at. They're not just looking at this feeling of, you know, do I love this person? But they're believing that, hey, this is an actual institution that is made by God, that is to be honored, that is for the good of society, that is like the way that you have children and it's the way that you kind of keep alive, you know, as a civilization. So I think that the religious have that sense of it's not just about me, but it's something about that's bigger than myself. Mm. And they also have a, a God to go to, to say, I need help with this. You know, like you, you got to help me with this. So there's that. And, and a lot of times too, with so many Americans not having re uh, religion as part of their life, part of that too is a loss of community. Because if you belong to a church, you are a synagogue, you know, you are going to this group, maybe once a week, maybe a few times a month, you're making some friends, you have people in, in, very similar stations of life, perhaps that you're kind of doing life with. And so it is sad, like as we lose that, as we become more individualized, you know, like I'm going to, you do you, I'll do me, you know, that's great for you, but I'm going to do what's great for me. And, you know, I'm not saying that's here or there, but when you do that, then there is less like built in community. Like you mm -hmm. really have to try a lot harder to find people to be with and to, to care about, et cetera. So I think it is helpful for religious people because they have this idea of God cares about my marriage. So I probably should care about it too. And then they have this built in system of other people to support them. So, you know, there was even a statistic out of the uh, University of Texas and San Antonio that a couple who prays together every single day. So this is, you know, very like, so they're not mad at each other. <laughs> they're praying together. They have this kind of habit that if they have this habit of doing this every single day, that just 1% of them will get divorced. So it was just like such an alarm, like mm -hmm. such a huge rate that, you know, these people are going to stay together. And, and I think, you know, you think of Alcoholics Anonymous and leaning on something beyond yourself to say like, I need help. And I do think that's where a lot of strength of marriages, you know, you could be on the brink of just, man, I want to quit, but God makes a crack through and, and you're able to, to keep going. Yeah. John Gottman in his research, yeah. you know, he, he points out that common spiritual beliefs or common spirituality mm -hmm. within the couple is, is yeah. a key component to staying together. And I think you're right that that community piece is really huge too, because there's a lot of statistics show that um, arranged marriages have the least amount of divorce. Isn't that amazing? Right. Yeah. And, right. And, and a lot of it is because the arranged marriages are done by the community. Yeah. Right? Families are coming together. And so because of that, you have a lot more mentorship, a lot more support, mm -hmm. and you have people to go to that are going to support working through something versus bailing. 
And it even shows like the strength of the will, like, you know, that they, that they've grown to love one another, you know, that my husband and I were just talking about this too. Like, can you imagine you're arranged, you never meet the person until you're married, like how crazy that would be. But you hear so many success stories that, yeah, they grew to really love each other, that they got to know each other and became best friends and, and loved each other and how beautiful that is. You know, it's like the, the people in our life are usually there because of proximity, Mm -hmm. And a lot of couples don't spend a lot of time together. Yeah. Like that idea of, you know, pr praying every day together is an investment of time together yeah. also. And so you, you're constantly making at least that much of a deposit into the relationship. And when you're, when you're there and that's your focus, well, you're not focused outside or, or what else could happen. And, you know, when people talk about the work of being in a relationship, it's so sad because most people don't know what that actually is, what you actually should do or could do to have a great relationship. You talk about help with, you know, you know, for addicts or other things. And, you know, I think that's a big part of our work and probably your work is what can you do? And there is, there is uh, our first blueprint of relationship is parent child. And so we bring that into our relationship and we, we have to figure out the adult adult. And that's what we're talking about. Like, Making a commitment, I think it's uh, Eric Fromm says, if love was just a feeling, you wouldn't need a vow. You wouldn't need to promise to love right. someone, you yeah. know? And so, so like that piece, love doesn't, it's, it's not a constant. It's, it's, a, it's a living thing that needs care and feeding. And most people just, when they, when they get in those bad places, they don't know what to do. And then they get sad enough that they, that they leave thinking that's what you do. Yeah. And I think there's there's something at National Marriage Week, a rhythm that I think is really nice, Jean, of how do we keep ourselves from getting to that spot where we're so far gone that it's like we look and think, how in the world did this happen to us? And it's just this rhythm of connect daily, date weekly, and get away regularly. Like if you're listening to this podcast and it's just that's all you get, then good connect daily, like every day have that moment where there are no phones, there's no distractions. It could literally be two minutes, but you're really looking at each other and you're saying, you know, how are you? You know, my husband and I were first dating. I remember we could just sit on the couch for hours. Like we were even kissing it and we just look at each other and talk to each other. We're just so enamored, you know, like it was just amazing. I just think we would do this for hours. And I always joke with married couples, you can imagine if your spouse sat on the couch with you and just looked at you, you immediately would be like, what? What? Do I have like something on my face? Like, why are you looking at me? Like, you want to talk to me? Like, what's happening? Like, we're just, it's so funny. So we used to be so good, you know, and of course it's attraction and all those things, but just that daily connection where you're really honed into your spouse and, and it's a daily moment or moments and then date weekly. And, you know, they did the surveys of like, how many people date, and you can think of this for yourself, you know, how often do you date your spouse? And when they survey people, 48% of people said once or twice a month that they date their spouse. And 52% of people said rarely or maybe just a few times a year. So over half say, uh, I date my spouse rarely or maybe just a few times a year. And they found with the ones that did date regularly, they had a 15% boost in things like overall happiness in the marriage, communication in the marriage, not likely to divorce, sexual satisfaction, all those things. 
enjoyed a 15% boost just because they went on a date once a month or maybe twice a month. And so this regular dating, I always like to say, you know, we'll shoot for weekly and you'll probably get every other week or something, you know, in terms of dating, but have this regular date rhythm where when you're in the busy years, it might look like a candlelight dinner in your own family room uh, while the kids are running around crazy. But you say, no, this is mom and dad's time and we're going to light a candle and we're going to sit at this table. I had a, a mom of five who that's what they would do on Friday nights. The kids knew they didn't get movies all the time. So on Friday night was movie night and they would watch the movie and mom and dad would put on the candles and sit at the table. And I mean, what an amazing visual picture that would be for kids growing up that on Friday nights, mom and dad sit at this table and they light this candle and they put this white tablecloth on. We have no idea why, but that's what they do. And they have dinner together. So date weekly and just make that happen regardless of the circumstance and then get away regularly. I'm sure that within one or two hours of your house, no matter where you live, there is something pretty to look at or something interesting to look at. So find a 24 hour getaway. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. Uh, do this once a year, maybe twice a year, get away regularly with each other. And that is so good too. So if you just have these things that you do on a constant, just rhythms, you don't have to think about them. It's not like, oh, it's 8.53. We have to have our moment. You know, just make it easier. You know, maybe it's after dinner, maybe it's right before bedtime, but you have a, a connection plan. My husband loves foot rubs. So his love language is physical touch. My love language is words. So it's Dr. Gary Chapman with how do we feel and receive love. So of course we're opposites as most couples are. So at the end of the day, I might rub his feet because that's his love language. And then we'll talk because that's my love language. And, and that's how we can be sure to have that, even if it's brief, a, a daily connection. Yeah, our anniversary actually is on Valentine's Day. Oh my goodness. We're celebrating 26 this year and oh, we're amazing. actually doing this really cool trip. We were on uh we were watching a, a documentary on YouTube on Irish pubs. And Irish pubs are the gathering place, the community center. Yep, yeah. and these these are hundreds of years old. Yes. And so they go back to that way of life where you did gather and and celebrate and mourn and whatever everything happens at the pub the yeah. pub is actually also the funeral home for most of those pubs which is really interesting and so we had that sort of built in and you know we want to go and be part of that and go talk to these people and you know hang out and be part of their community that would and be such a memory yeah, yeah. So it's like a 1200 mile trip that we're doing all My around goodness. the entire country of ireland 24 pubs to see <laughs> oh that's gonna be amazing what yeah. a great what a wonderful memory you're making but but it's it, you know it's it's very important right the community mm -hmm. and these pubs they don't have tvs they don't have wi-fi they say put down your phone and talk to your neighbor because that's exactly what it's about, right? Yes. Is and it's rude not to talk to the person sitting next to you right, there. Right, yeah. a stranger, what is it? A stranger is a friend you haven't met yet. Yeah. That's their saying out there. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and it, it kind of coincides with, you know, the word date. When you're talking about dating weekly, um, you know, a lot of times we have to clarify this with, with the couples that we work with because they're like, oh yeah, we, we go out to dinner with friends, you know, once a week and everything. We're like, no, no, we, we, we go out with the kids for dinner. That's like, that's know, not the week. date. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Right. And we call it couple time, you know, because a lot of times the word date, you know, people get that, they have stereotypes around that word. So yeah. we use couple time. Um, 
it is really important to have that time, that one-on-one time, no distractions. Uh, you know, Gottman talks about five and a half hours of quality time per week. You know, it is essential. And a lot of people, they blow it off, right? Because obviously they got jobs, they've got bills, they've got kids, they have to pay for a babysitter and they don't see the value in it because it's not an immediate return. Especially if there's things they haven't been discussing and they go out and get in a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like, why would I do a, that again? You have to have a business meeting for that one and have right. a date night be the fun thing. Yes. You know, two, two of our favorite date nights are, one is take a ballroom dancing lesson. Mm-hmm. You're not talking, but you're learning how to move together. Yeah. And there are so many parallels to a good relationship and learning to dance. And the other one is a photo shoot. Because in a photo shoot, you're looking at your partner for a long time and smiling. And, you know, and if it's a really good photographer that's able to help you uh, show that bond that you have, it's really cool. And that can be very, a, a really great deposit into the relationship bank account. What are some of your favorite dates? It's sweet that you say the dancing. So at our local park here, there's a beautiful rec center. And we've always thought we want to go to Balboa Park and try this dancing thing. And we thought about it for years. And finally this year, so just like what you're saying, we were like, let's go. So the first time we went, of course, we're looking at all these people. And there's, you know, probably average age is, is 60. And they're amazing. Like they're just dancing so beautifully. And we were so intimidated and just thought like, this is awful. And I thought to myself, like, I am not going to be able to do this. But we have been going for many weeks and we love it. So it is like the idea of like doing something new and and learning. So we do, we love, we like the dancing. So I love coffee. My husband does not, but it's a cheap date, which he likes. So He'll go go to different coffee places in San Diego and I'll get the cup of coffee and he'll kind of share with me and we'll go back and forth. Um, We love like little getaways. We live in San Diego. So we just um, went on a getaway to Palm Springs and, you know, we haven't done that for a long time. Usually we just go downtown or something, you know, a little bit closer. So we love those kinds of things. We've done the the footsie wootsie place where you go get the foot massage. So we've done it where, (laughs) where like if I was alone, I'd be kind of like, is this place okay? (laughs) dark and you go down the hallway but it's the two of us so I felt pretty good about that so you know him and I go in and get our our feet rubbed as such and we love that too and we like trying to go to new restaurants but I tell you what I mean we are just like you know I'm a marriage author and I do these things but this is still a struggle in the sense of like okay let's go out what do you want to do I don't know what do you want to do like we go we go through that like any other couple. So sometimes uh, we've gone through stages where it's like, well, you choose and you plan one date. And then the next time I'll plan the next one. And then I think a fun thing, we haven't done it yet, but to say like, okay, let's see what we can do for $25, like set a, a dollar amount and like go out and see what creative thing can we do for this amount of money or to feed ourselves or to do whatever, you know? So, so there's all sorts of things like in the, um, on for national marriage week, they have a date night guide with all sorts of like date night ideas. You can find that at marriageweek.org. But one of them was make a list from A to Z and just like write each letter, like what could you do to correspond with that letter? And I thought that was like a fun way to kind of be creative and find some new places in your town. Yeah, creativity is so important. And human beings are just born knowing how to do it. We don't have to teach our children how to be creative. Yeah. And 
as we get older, we get we shy away from creating. We we get too worried about if we're going to fail or whatever. And there's so much joy in creating. And you know the the study on happiness says that happiness comes after you take a risk. Mm. And so I I think it's important to kind of take yourself a lot a lot less seriously and. Yes. You know, even even to dance, a lot of people exactly. we know won't dance. Oh my goodness, because you look so foolish. I mean, yeah. I have never danced. I for sure looked foolish, you know, for sure. So you're right. Like take the risk. And then even in marriage, right? Take the risk, you know, of that commitment of this person. Take the risk and and how much happiness will follow. That's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um what was that book that we the founder that we uh Adventure Challenge? Yeah, the Adventure Challenge. Have you ever heard of that? No, that, that sounds fun. So we interviewed the the founder of the Adventure Challenge, and he created one for couples. And there's like 50 different date night ideas in there, and they're scratch offs. So like you you don't know what you're gonna do. It's a, it tells you how much time and how much yes. money, and then you just scratch it off. And one of the ideas or the you know the suggestions was you and your spouse go to a thrift store, and you get to shop clothes that your spouse is going to wear and she's going to you know shop for clothes you're going to wear and then you create different personalities and names and you go to dinner being those people right oh, funny. Just... oh that's so cute that's really funny <laughs> yeah it's just you know it, it's a great way Lots of just sparking ideas. different creative you know, creative <laughs> ideas for people yeah i think one is bake a pie blindfolded like the one person's blindfolded right and they have to do everything and their partner has to like help them. How, how funny. That is yeah. very funny. It is. And it's just these little things. And and it would be so funny. I love that. Yeah, it, it is the little things. We podcasted her aunt and uncle and, and really they've been married how long now? Pretty much like 40 years. 40. Something nine. like that. I think they're close to 50. They are. And they said it's the little things that really matter and add up and count and we, we believe that. I mean, that's something that we do all the time. Mm-hmm. You got a thought. I'm, well, I'm trying to remember how long they've been married. They're probably going to listen. I'm like, yeah. it, it, I think it's 49. So okay. Yeah, well, yeah I had, for my book, I'm 31 Days to a Happy Husband, I had interviewed my pastor because he had been married at that time, you know, more than 50 years. And I just remember growing up in this church and, and seeing that he and his wife were so happy. And so he said, you know, Arlene, when you were little – you always say, I can hardly wait. I can hardly wait to the party. I can hardly wait to the baseball game. I can hardly wait to go to grandma's house. And when we get older, then we don't have those anymore because we're all like routine and all this. So we said, I make sure to build in that I can hardly wait. We still build those in. And he said, so for instance, he calls her the silver fox. And he said, so for instance, for our anniversary, I'm going to take her because he was teaching in Brussels. So he said, I'm going to take her on a side trip and we're going to have our anniversary in Paris on top of the Eiffel Tower. And that's how we're going to celebrate our anniversary. And I can hardly wait. So I said to him, well, Pastor, that sounds amazing. I can hardly wait. Do you have anything cheaper that, that people can do for that? I can hardly wait. And he said, you know what? He has the habit of that he calls people on their birthday. So he calls his children, his grandchildren. And so like his college age grandchild said to him, you know what, Grandpa? I never set my alarm on my birthday because I know you'll always call me. And he talked about how these I can hardly wait. They're not money, they're thought. 
they're that you cared enough about someone to do something for them, to say something, to show up for them, to grab them extra something that, you know, they would like. So I love that. So just in your marriage, you know, try to build in once in a while, Hey, let's make a, I can hardly wait. And it can be something very simple. I can hardly wait till pie night where you're blindfolded and I have to make a pie. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of couples, they kind of skip giving each other presents for Christmas and birthdays and stuff. And they just kind of, oh, we, we can just buy it. So what's the point? And yeah. that is the point. That is the Even point. Even if it's something silly or you yes. make it. That's the point. It's the yeah. sentiment, the mm -hmm. right? It's the intention and sentiment behind it. We all want to feel thought thought about mm -hmm. and cared for. What do you have uh, planned for Valentine's Day? That is a good question. Now I feel like like I, we actually have zero plans. So at this exact moment, <laughs> we have zero plans. So my husband and I will need to think that one through. <laughs> We're going to be on the cliffs of Mohair. Yep, watching yeah, the sunset. Some, you guys have some yep. good plans for Valentine's Day. Bravo. <laughs> well, when we got married, we were a blended family. My son was uh, yeah. 10 when we got married. And we brought him with on our honeymoon because we felt it was really important yes. to not just abandon him when we connected. And so every year since, we've taken a, a trip. My goodness. So will yeah. he be with you guys? No. No, not with him. <laughs> we only brought him the first time. I was like, what? <laughs> No, he's oh, married and has a child of his own. <laughs> I'd be like, what are we doing in this pub? <laughs> oh, that's great. But I'm glad we're having this conversation because it makes me think, you know, a lot of times we will not plan things for the actual Valentine's Day because we don't like going out when it's so crowded. So we'll plan something yeah. afterwards, but it is good. This is good to start thinking about this. <laughs> I have an idea for you guys. Okay. We have friends that live in Temecula. Yes. And they own a Rosati's pizza. Yes. So you could go there and say hi for us. Oh my gosh, that's adorable. <laughs> that's so adorable. Yeah. If, I if love you ever that. had Chicago pizza before, it's very it good is. pizza. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. This is very good to know. Like you're going to, okay. Do I need to write this down? Or are you going to email me? What is the name of this restaurant? <laughs> Rosati's pizza. Rosati's pizza. Yeah. We can email okay. it to you. <laughs> okay. I love Steve, this. Steve and Ange. Yeah. Steve right. and Angie. All right. So, where can, first of all, where can someone get involved with National Marriage Week, right? And get resources or be involved. And then yeah. also, you know, where can someone get a hold of your book if they wanted to, books. you know, books? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. To know more about you. Thank you so much. Um, so for National Marriage Week, it's February 7th to 14th. You can simply go to marriageweek.org, marriageweek.org. And what you'll find there is information about what the week is all about. You'll find that dating guide that'll give you more dating tips, a couple's connection plan that'll help you with the love languages, different things like that. If you're like hosting a marriage event and you want people to know about it, maybe you're having a marriage conference, you can post it on that website for that calendar and then vice versa. Maybe you're looking to attend a marriage event. You can see like, is there anything in your area or maybe somewhere you want to travel to? So it's a clearinghouse for marriage type events as well. And the heart of it is we just want to cheer for your marriage. We want to say, keep at it and, and how can we help you? And a lot of vetted resources are on that page. So marriageweek.org. And my name is Arlene Pelicane, and I've written books like 31 Days to Becoming a Happy 
wife, 31 Days to a Happy Husband. You can find those on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, wherever you get books, or on my website at Arlene Pelican, just my name, .com. And I also write about technology. Uh, we've kind of, we've talked about that, that in the presence of technology, a lot of times we miss the real connection, just like in the pubs, how there is no technology, which is amazing. So I write to have... Uh, a bit more of a plan with your kids, not just to go crazy with technology. And that book is called Screen Kids. And that's authored with Gary Chapman of the Five Love Languages. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Arlene, for being on the podcast. Thank we, you, we Dr. Should, Ray. Well, definitely, you need to take a picture with Steve and Ange when you go to Rosario. I know, yes. it'll be amazing. I look forward to such a moment <laughs> and eating deep dish pizza. It sounds awesome. It is really good pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we want to thank all of you for joining us on, on Couple Synergy today. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, or want to be considered as a guest on our podcast, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs, such as Relationship 101, the Home Study Course, the Next Couples Relationship Enhancement Weekend, and our premier couples coaching program called Couple to Couple. Look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.